We wear caps and sleeves at this level, son. Understood? Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the California Penal League Podcast. I believe all of us are done clenching our butt our buttholes here um, <laughs> as of this recording. The uh, we are recording after the Indians squeaked out a six to five win against the Chicago White Sox on Tuesday, June first. It was very close. It was six to three going into the bottom of the ninth. James Karinchak did his best to give that away. Um, the White Sox were all over him like a fly on crap, and with bases loaded and two outs in the bottom of, or the top of the ninth, uh, the last guy you want to see up the plate, Jose Abreu, is there, and he. It, believe it or not, a weak grounder to short to end that game. And so I was, and we didn't commit an error. Shockingly. Holy hell. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that. I'm Steve with me as always is Fabs and Chris. And all that being said, the Indians did win and they are currently six games over 500 on June 1st, which is insane. Two and a half games back of the White Sox and in the thick of the wildcard hunt. So, hey, two full months of the season in the books. Indians are six games over. You're in the wild card hunt. You're actually six and five against the White Sox this season, um, which is insane. Seventeen and twelve in May, and I believe you said here, Chris, in the notes, tied with Houston and New York, uh, record wise. Yeah, I'm double checking to see what they each did tonight. I know the Yankees were was tied. Down at the moment. At Houston point. is up uh, currently five one over Boston, so that game the Rays were tied. End. And then the Yankees won an extras oh, over Tampa. Bitch. God damn it. So I think the Yankees have played like one more game. So they have that one extra loss. But for all intents and purposes, yeah. All that being said, the Indians are right about on the same footing. Yeah. With, even with their negative run differential at the moment, they are. <laughs> it's only nine of six now. Yikes. The thing about the Indians that is always interesting to me is that if they lose, they get their ass destroyed right and then they move on like this team is very strange in this and and that's i mean it's a credit to the makeup of the players and like tito being the manager but like when they get just absolutely annihilated they go and play the next day like it never happened they've gotten no hit twice they'll get annihilated 10 to 2 and then you just come back and like go split two double headers in a row you know it, yeah. it, it's a very interesting makeup here and it, it's working. I mean, hey, you know, six games over five hundred. You can't argue with those results. You really can't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how anybody can't look at this team and be ranging from like pleasantly surprised to like, yeah, I knew this team was capable of this. Like, I think you uh, had said, Chris, they're on pace for like the ninety ninety one win threshold. My yeah, my prediction was like eighty nine wins. So I'm I'm yeah, I'm we like right around there. We were all, I think, between like 85 to like 89. And um, I think I was 87. Right right now, they're, you know, on pace for, you know, exceeding those totals. And let's not forget, you know, June's pretty favorable too. Yes, we did talk about that in the previous episode. Yes, we did talk about that in the previous episode. The Indians' June schedule is an absolute godsend. They actually, I was looking at the strength of schedule in baseball to date and the Indians have like the 23rd hardest schedule. So basically it hasn't been that rough of a road for the Indians to this point. Although you could say having to play 
like the likes of the White Sox and the Royals and the Blue Jays and the Yankees. And even like the Twins record is pretty trash, but the Twins are still a decent enough team. And the Royals have all somehow gotten back to 500. I wouldn't say it's been that tough or, or that easy of a schedule for the Indians. And I will say it does get obscenely easy in June. So if you're going to be dealing with a bunch of injuries and uh, still trying to figure things out offensively, it's not the worst thing. Uh, they wrap up a series with the White Sox here tomorrow. Um, little we'll see if that game is played because it's supposed to rain. So by the time you hear this, it may not have happened. And then there's a weekend series with the Orioles uh, before going to, I believe, St. Louis. So, and then I believe the Mariners, yes, come to town. So, Mariners, Baltimore, uh, come to town. So here's your stretch here. I know we've talked about this already, but from June 11th on, it's Seattle at home, Baltimore at home. Then you go to Pittsburgh and you play the Cubs and Twins on the road before going back home to play Detroit. That is not too shabby. So among other things, I know I'm hogging the conversation here. There's some dudes heating up at the plate. So Chris, I'll let you kind of tee you up on that one. But there have definitely been some signs of life the Indians offense recently. Yeah. So actually as a whole, as a team, things are looking up offensively. Uh, We don't currently, uh, during the month of May, we weren't dead last in team batting average. So I'll take that as a win. (laughs) And and we were pretty solidly over the Mendoza line as a team betting 228. So sign, you know, some signs to be positive. The uh, OPS was, 681, which was you know starting to get middle of the pack there. They were that's like 19th in baseball for the month of May. We were 17th in home runs with 28 and 14th in Major League Baseball with 100 RBI, tied for 14th. So that said, as we kind of discussed last week too, you know we were kind of saying you know there's a couple guys that aren't hitting their their weight just yet and you know producing to what. We've come to expect, and we namely pointed out Eddie Rosario. <laughs> yes, yeah, he did. Because in the last 16 games, he's hitting just under 290. And Cesar found his groove again, too, hitting almost 250 with seven home runs this month. I think the guys hit seven home runs in like any one season. <laughs> like, I was hearing that over the weekend, and shame on me, because he's also on my fantasy team. I didn't realize Cesar had eight home runs on the season. Um, yeah, he's been looking good. He's been looking really good. My mind. Yeah. I think we talked about if he had, like, 14 or 15. That's all you'd expect from him. He's very much on that pace, you yeah. know? Heck, he's really almost on pace for 20. And then a couple other guys that we wanted to, you know, to highlight again was a man who's quickly becoming our, do I speak for all of us? One of our favorites uh, in hitting Harold Ramirez. Yes. Oh, I love um, he got called up just this month and, you know, was only played in, during the month of May. He was the alternate camp in April and he already has two homers, 10 RBI. And like, I think he's like third on the team in batting one with like a two fifty six batting average. So he just he brings a good energy. He does. And it, it, I mean, he's not going to overwhelm you, but he's a very much. I, I don't remember if I've, I thought I had mentioned this at one point, but you know, so far he kind of 
reminds me of a Melky Cabrera, uh, Evasil Garcia kind of player where they're going to hit for a decent average and, you know, they're going to fill up the stat sheet a little bit, but you're not going to look at their numbers at the end of the year and go, oh my God, that guy's an MVP. But how but he's come in and guys. solidified our outfield. Yeah. Yeah. He's a perfect you, you role player. You, you can't have a like all or, a team that's like a bunch of all or nothing where no. it's like either 30 home runs, but he's batting 180 or like, so like I think he brings a really nice blend of, of speed. Okay. Pop, but just yeah. consistency and just getting on base because then when you have a guy like Framo Reyes coming back, just getting people on base and, and, and avoiding those just one, two, three inning after one, two, three inning is going to be key. If we're going to want to stick around into September. And dare I say, if he's in the lineup ahead of Fran Meal, I'd rather have a two run home run than a solo shot. Right. <laughs> and with a guy who's hitting, you know, 260, 270 versus that 170, we're just going to help ourselves. And uh, the last guy we were going to focus on tonight, too, was uh, Ahmed Rosario, who really, really turned it on in May. Sitting 307 on pace of 365. As I put it in the notes, that, yes, daddy. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Ever I, since I he moved with him back to short. Him. I was just about to say, as soon as oh, he got out of center field. Shoot. Oh, yeah. We got him in a, um, yeah, a deal sure. with uh, this team called the Mets. Mets. Yeah, geez. Boy, who did we... Oh, boy. Who did we trade to the Mets? When, this is when we need a... We need a stat guy. We need like a, a stat guy to look this up for us. Yeah, yeah. Young Jamie, where are you? Young Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm gonna hire, the, I'm gonna uh, hire a guy intern. named Jamie for just that purpose. Yeah. Um. So young Jamie, he's gonna get on that. But yeah, ever since he moved from center field and just went back to his normal position at short, Rosario, man, does he look solid at the plate like again it's the same well it's the same thing you were saying uh with harold ramirez is again ahmed rosario is not gonna hit 300 every month and he's not gonna blow up the stat sheet it's not like he hit 12 home runs in may i think he had like one (laughs) so that's not really what you're looking for with a guy like him though with with guys like rosario and ramirez and like ultimately i would even toss Naylor into that category too yeah, Naylor, I think I might be expecting a little more power from him at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would expect 20 home run power from him. I, but I think we're going to see that next year from him, too. I think yeah, he's, I think a nice he's still young. He's still he so young. He's, like, really impressed me. Like, his, his defense leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, but his, like, ability do. to get on base and his consistency, I he was, like, a very welcome surprise and gives me a little bit of hope for the outfield in the future. Well, I mean, if we're going to say this about Rosario, I think it bears repeating with Naylor in mind, too. Move him back to first base, a position yes. he's been more comfortable with, and just watch those numbers just rise. Just, I, I yeah. really I think that... like exact comparison, but I know when I had to play outfield instead of first base or pitcher, my head was always in the clouds in the grade school, grade school baseball. So I can't even imagine... What a pro professional! <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. so out of your natural position. You're just like I, I just don't want to fuck up. And then you're not in the zone when you go to bat. 
Um, You're like, wanted... yeah, I, I played left field like seven times in the minors. Um, oh, I, sure, I, I, can got, do I this. got I got J- uh, young Jamie. Uh, he has oh. a stat comparison for us. Oh, very nice, very nice. Okay, go ahead, Jamie. Hey guys. Um, well, Ahmed Rosario on the year is batting 252 with three home runs and 14 RBIs and four stolen bases. And Francisco Lindor is batting 198 with four home runs, 11 RBIs, and four stolen bases. You tell me who's better. Thanks, y'all, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. Get that out of my drop in, Jamie. Go get us some coffee. God, okay, true. bye, Jamie. Yeah, see ya. Okay. Get the yeah. fuck yeah. out, Jesus. Jamie. Jesus Christ. Sorry, guys. God. I know it's your cousin, Fez, but like, fuck. I know, dude, I, he's living in my garage right now. He, he's, he's come on some tough times. It's a good thing oh that we God. don't pay him. Well, Still, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, luckily. Or like that movie. <laughs> like that movie, yeah. Black Snake Moan. Black Moan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> same outfit, same outfit. He's a he's a sex crazed. Uh, <laughs> I have to like sprint to my car baseball in the morning, savant. So he doesn't yeah. get me. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, he knows his stats, though. He rattled yeah, he he that up. He rattled, he rattled that, up he rattled that off on his own. Yeah, yeah. it's like it was right in front of him. It's crazy. Well, hey, man, you know, I, you know, it's uh, two months into the trade. I guess you could say the Indians are winning that deal <laughs> right now. I, so. You know, on June 1st, as of this recording, I'm going to go out and say we won it. Yeah, calling it now. Listen, like, I know we say that, like, I don't hate Francisco Lindor. I don't like how he took a shit on us, but it's just, we, let's just say he, like, we weren't signing him long term. Like, everyone knows that. Like, that's not a secret. So, like, even if we just kept him for this year, a third of the way into the year, Ahmed Rosario is already having a better season. And yeah. we have we have young guys that are that we also got in the deal. So I mean it's just like in many ways, Rosario was kind of just the add-on tossing. Yeah, they were shopping him around. Sure. They, there was talk about shipping him off to like the Reds for uh like Senzel and stuff. I mean, thank God they didn't do that, but yeah, I mean, they, they were like, I, it was I almost like, still, they were like, oh, yeah, there's no position for him, so we might as well try to trade him. And there was, Well, I am still no curious where he fits into the roster moving forward, but that's a future well, problem for the front office to figure out. Yeah, hey, man, so that's a great problem to have. I will certainly yeah. take having too many guys at certain positions. And, and again, he could always go back to center. He could play short. I'm sure he could play second. Like, you, you could figure it out, you know. It's not so, like anybody's come up quite yet and, like, <laughs> tried to steal it from him. So, with him and his being down and uh, Owen Miller off to a relatively rough start at the plate. So, still crazy early, though. So, yeah. one day we'll develop hitters like we do pitchers, but then our pitchers might be developed. We had to trade for him. So, we'll be here again. <laughs> We're still not there, man. I hope that day doesn't happen where that reversal occurs. Oh, my God. I mean, I will forever take, yeah, I will always rather take the pitching development. It's just, yeah, you can buy really, it's, it's really hard to yeah, get pitching. They've managed to do it for like a decade where they're, they've just acquired hitting through random means. So, yeah. uh, you know, but a pitching is at o- always a premium. So, you know, I will certainly take this. Which, speaking of pitching, Tristan McKenzie, uh, who got sent down. Earlier in the month to AAA and his backup by necessity due to injuries to Zach Plesac, <laughs> randomly uh, against uh, the White Sox on uh, Memorial Day, set a club record for most consecutive strikeouts, beating Corey Kluber's previous record of seven with eight 
consecutive strikeouts. So Tristan McKenzie has had two pretty quality starts in a row. And while he's going to get sent back down and also still had kind of a rough go of it in that game on Monday, like he almost got run out of that game in the second. That second inning he got, Mm -hmm. he got roughed up, but he rebounded very nicely. He rebounded, but there's still that like up and down thing with him where it's like, sometimes he looks like he'll be like a perennial Cy Young candidate. And then there are other times where you're like, is this guy going to be our fifth starter forever? I don't know. He's 23. Let's also remember with him, he's 23. He exactly. never pitched in AAA. Yep. He needs a little bit more seasoning. But he's got the stuff, man. He has yeah, got the stuff. I think after these last two starts, at least for me, it just proves that if the people who were maybe under, you know, were whispering behind closed doors that, oh, maybe he's not the prospect that they thought. I think that talk can at least be paused. Well, and it's just, yeah, I mean, the jury's just out. It's 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 the same with, like, Owen Miller, where, you know, yeah. he, he comes up and has a pretty rough week where he's striking out quite a bit and, and not putting necessarily a lot of... I mean, he's getting some hits, but, um, yeah, it's, you know, he didn't, he's, not he's not batting 500. He's not batting so, 400, yeah, five, yeah, 400. You know, it's that same mentality where it's like, you know, it's like, oh, bust, bust. And yeah, don't write their, their you the same thing. Yet. Yes. Baseball is nothing if not a game of patience. And, you know, how many guys have had huge starts uh, to their career or like gone on like heaters for a month or two to open a career and then you never hear, hear from them again? That well, happens plenty of times. Let's just take a look at some of these top prospects around baseball, too. I mean, Vlad Guerrero Jr. People were writing off last year, and oh, all yeah. that dude is all that dude is doing right now is leading the American League in essentially every offensive category. I love yeah, having his rookie, rookie card. card for like five dollars after last year. Oh yeah, autoed. Yeah, I'm so glad I have all his rookie cards still. Even well, I always liked him though, so I was always like, yeah. I'm going to keep these no matter what. But it certainly helps that he's uh, absolutely mashing the ball. Okay, so. Also in the rotation because you're dealing with no fifth starter and uh, no fourth starter right now. It's just going to be kind of a carnival carousel of uh, of different guys uh, coming up. Uh, I believe Giancarlo Mejia has been uh, slated for a start. Um, yes, Eli Morgan got called up to pitch against the Blue Jays on uh, this pre- past Friday. It was Friday, yeah. In the middle of a hurricane, it did not go well. Um, which bonkers. actually, like, which isn't fair to him. Again, that's another example of he got roughed up against the Blue Jays, who are in a, the middle of a hot stretch offensively, especially hot stretch. And he was pitching in like the worst possible conditions. So yeah. it's like the people have like this weird, cons- you know, routine pop rest- flies were flying to the you know were were guys were coming in on routine pop flies, and then they somehow ended up at the on the warning track as a double. Right. Not a fair indication of what no. he can do. So he'll get another chance, I hope. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, he pitched on Friday, and which brings me to my question. Do either of you have any explanation for why the game was called on Saturday before they obviously uh, had to reschedule for the doubleheader on Sunday, which gave the Indians five straight seven-inning games? It was the exchange rate. So follow me on this. Instead of playing 27 innings, we only had to play 21 due to the exchange rate. Gotcha. 
Okay. It's just it's City just how the market shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's just how the market shakes out, man. Okay. I read that no, I was seeing sense. that it was because of like adverse winds. Yeah. They it, were that's concerned what, that's about what, that. That was the the truthful. What a low one. Okay, it was the actual winds. Yeah, yeah. Because they basically because they played a, in a seven inning game on Friday when they got yes. blown out. So I believe like, the Indians like and the Blue Jays both have cons- have played five straight. Yeah, the Blue Jays have games. played. The Blue Jays played the White Sox. Another, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So I, I think I can't remember what they said the last time that ever happened was, but I believe that's like a MLB I mean, record. Got to be a record. I yeah. So there's that, but. You know, dumb, idiotic reason for for postponing a sunny Saturday afternoon game aside, the Indians split the double he- the two doubleheaders. You know, that's pretty much the best you can hope for, especially and, against those uh, two clubs. Right. I mean, you're playing the, that looked tough. You know, coming into the front end of that, it's like holy hell. Yeah. Not only do we have to play the Blue Jays and White Sox in doubleheaders, then we also have like still two more games with the White Sox in that series after that. That's a tough stretch. I was like legitimately concerned they were just going to lose all of them. And we were going to like, in a matter of four days, go like from two games back to seven games back. And I was like, well, that was that. I mean, that's a valid concern, you know, when you're looking at the way the rotation is shaking out and like, and also you were looking at like, who's pitching this double at these double headers. That's also concerned me. Yes. <laughs> like, what's happening. Yes. I love the piggyback game though. Those are fun. Oh, I, I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. I love the race seven of inning, the North, the race of the North. Yeah. All right. I'm into that. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I didn't think I was going to like the seven inning thing. But I, it's cool. It's it's I don't know. It's different. I'm always for trying. Let's just try different stuff and just see what works. We we've done it like that for so long, and no one wants to be at the ballpark because if any, let's say the first game is is a regular nine inning game, but it goes like thirteen or fourteen, then all of a sudden you're like oh, you're literally almost playing like three games by the time you like wrap yeah. up that doubleheader, and everyone's just gassed. Yeah, I don't want to see the depths of your bullpen like in game three of a series. There was there was an interesting stat with the with regards to that first uh, doubleheader with the Jays. Like both of those games went just over two hours. Oh, Corey, it's like soccer time. I love it. Yeah, dude, you're gonna start seeing. You're, we have a we. Have, I don't want to spoil too much. We have an episode coming up on how we fix baseball rules wise. But oh yeah, you better believe they're looking at that and thinking: Do we consider possibly scheduling more doubleheaders to be? Like you do like actual scheduled double headers throughout the season and make them seven innings, something like that. I don't know. We'll see. Which I think would Yeah, I mean, cool. I watched three soccer games this last weekend. I watched the, the Chelsea Man City game. I watched a US friendly and then I watched an MLS game because I could watch the whole game during my kids' afternoon nap. I can't. Yeah, what's the soccer match last? Like an hour and a half? It's two hours with halftime. Yeah. But like I started both of them. I basically recorded them because their nap was like right when it was starting. So then I could fast forward through halftime and then got through. It was great. I got to watch like I haven't watched soccer in forever. I got to watch three soccer matches. And, you know, you never get that football. Like, forget about it. Yeah, I'm just like on the couch. 
with my phone out pretending to like respond to work emails, just watching right. stuff on Hulu <laughs> streaming. And then meanwhile, there's like 25 minutes of actual gameplay in an NFL game. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, baseball, it's like, it might be the eighth inning. I could get lucky or more, more likely it's probably the fourth inning after an hour and a half. So it's, it's Especially just, I, the I love Yankees the, are involved. The, give me two hours. Yep. I, I, I'm into it. A couple other guys, uh, you uh, you had a note about Cal Quantrill here, Chris, which I know you had some good points on it. And then I, I didn't see this uh, news on Plesac. Is he already throwing? Yeah. So I just saw some reporters today just um, said that Plesac just started throwing again. Just nothing like off the mound or anything, but just kind of staying loose. And Very good. speculation that he could be back end of this month, you know, before the All-Star break. is kind of think what they were initially pinpointing for his return, you know, right around that the break. But there's a good chance that he could be back, you know, and start a game or two before the All-Star break. So that was really cool to hear. And yeah, Quantrill has been stretched out. He's gone over three innings now in his last two appearances. And uh, to your point earlier about who the heck might pitch a game, wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, Cal finds himself starting a game or two, you know, where we'd have a bullpen game and it's just, Hey, get us into the third, get us through the third. If you can get into the fourth bonus time, you know, yep, because he's looked the guy that we have mentioned a few times that can provide some innings out of the pen, whether that be a piggyback game or, you know, maybe due to these injuries, get a start and, I think he's what? What did I put in the notes? He's only allowed like two hits. Oh, I'm sorry, two earned runs and nine strikeouts over uh, six and two thirds. His last two appearances, yeah, yeah, and which are the last two appearances. So I mean, he's not like lighting the world on fire, but he's certainly but hey, proving his worth there. That is exactly what you're looking for from a guy who's going to like just eat up some innings yep. for yep. you. That's exactly 100%. what you need. He has very quickly found himself in like the absolute most important position. It's the old adage that they always mention on like the radio, and Tito always says it is the minute that you think you have enough pitching, you go out and find more. And that's why a guy like Quantrill's on this roster is because he gives you exactly what he's giving you now. So, it, you know, hey, look, six games over 500. Your rotation is down to Shane Bieber and Aaron Savali, and then just like whoever the hell shows up that day. So, and you're missing Fran Mill Reyes, and you still are missing Roberto Perez, who I forgot about Perez. Would, oh, like miss him. The bottom of your lineup at some point this season, provided everyone's healthy at the same time, is going to be like Harold Ramirez, Roberto Perez, and maybe Owen Miller if he like sticks around. But it, it's yeah. I would say better days are ahead collectively, and yet they're still hanging in there and playing well against the White Sox, unlike other teams in the division, you know, and in the league. The the Indians don't seem like... I I will say this. when The way I've always think of it is, like, when the Tigers were running this division, the Indians always looked scared to play that team. There's something about this team. They do not look over... They don't look overmatched against the White Sox. And it's crazy. Yeah, they're resilient. Yeah, it, they're very resilient. The White Sox over the next few years scare the living bejesus out of me because of that roster and who's like 
going to come back, but like, hey man, I'll just enjoy it while it lasts. So, you know, it's going to be, it was a good May, 17 and 12, like I said, and June is shaping up to be pretty favorable schedule for the Indians. So we'll see if that uh, holds true for them. Real quick, before we, I have two things. One, Chris, you've got to know your prospect for this week, I believe, right? I do. Hit me. With another young arm for this week's Know Your Prospect. Xavion Curry, who is a right-handed pitcher. He's in Lynchburg right now. He was a uh, 2019 draft pick out of Georgia Tech in the seventh round. If you follow the minor league system at all, you will see his name pretty much atop the leaderboard of every pitching category of pitchers in the Indian system. He's got crazy strikeout to, to walk numbers, strikeout to innings pitch numbers. Really quickly on the season, he has started five games, going about five innings per start. He has allowed uh, 12 hits in um, those 25 innings, three earned runs, four walks, 38 strikeouts and owns an ERA of 1.07. 14 strikeouts per nine innings. 14 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. He's about to turn 23, just over, I I believe it was like middle of July. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets promoted to Lake County very soon. soon. Yeah, like yeah. maybe like another start soon, because clearly Lynchburg is proving to be uh, too easy for him. And is he projected as a starter? From what I could tell, he is. He's not very big. Um, he's not the prototypical, you know, he's six like four, four, four foot five, close <laughs> four seven. Um, wow, yeah, four seven wow. and like ninety five pounds. Um, Interesting. No, uh, he's wow. he's five eleven, uh, and just under two hundred pounds. So I, I don't necessarily know. Sometimes the Indians kind of take those guys and you know move them out of the rotation for durability concerns. But you know he's going five innings, and part of the reason I believe, from what I could gather, that you know he fell to the seventh round uh, was he was injured coming out of college and okay. missed the rest of the two thousand nineteen season. Obviously last year didn't pitch at all because of COVID. And so the 25 innings that he has got under his belt are all of his, you know, those stats are his complete minor league stats to date. So, and being 23, like I said, we got 23 year olds on the uh, active roster. I wouldn't roster now. Yeah. Yeah. So I really wouldn't be surprised if they tried to fast track him and, you know, Hey, he could maybe even maybe, I don't know what, what they're thinking, but maybe sees a game or two in Akron towards the end of the season. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, they might be looking to see if he could potentially be on this team at some point next year, if yeah, all goes I mean, well. Yeah, I, I honestly, if they keep him in Lynchburg, I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe skips Eastlake altogether Yeah, and, and goes right. right up to Akron at, at some point here in the next you know, a couple weeks. So, uh, okay. Zavin, All right, cool. Zavin Curry. I love it. Uh, okay. Um, last thing before we head out, I pulled up the old RIP list 
for the season because we haven't addressed it in a couple weeks. The, oh, nice. the three teams that we currently had dead before uh, we, we update here were the Baltimore Orioles, who are 17-37. So Jesus Christ. They've, they've only lost 14 in a row, uh, so they're officially they, dead. They won, I believe. They today. beat yes, the okay. yes. out of the Twins tonight. <laughs> yes. So they have 18 wins. Okay, great. So they, they're 1-14 in, <laughs> in their last 15. Very good. So they are dead. Detroit, we have listed as dead, obviously. Um, they're 10 games under. Um, they're just kind of floating around. They're officially dead. And the Rockies, we have uh, killed off as well for their 2021 season. Yep. I'll give you my two. I'll give you the two that I looked at as officially dead that we can add to the list. I got the Pirates. Yep. And I've got the Diamondbacks, who are straight trash at 17 games under 500 at the moment. They have fallen off a cliff. So those are the two that I think officially I would mark as obviously dead. Do you guys have any others that you feel strongly about? Yes. I believe it's time to... Wish the twins a nice round of golf. You think the twin? You really want to write the twins off now? I'm gonna write the twins off. Ooh-wee. I'm gonna write the twins off. I'm gonna eat some crow, and um, also going to write off the team that I predicted to win the National League East in the Sarah? Washington Nationals. Oh yeah, uh, boy, did I get that one wrong? Uh, my other picks look good. But uh, the National League East, I was very, very wrong. Okay. All right. Mm. But the Nationals. And let me take a look at one other thing. I I believe I had one other team that I wanted to. I want to do the Rangers. Yes. I was going to say. They're 11 games under 500. They're almost nine games back of two teams. The Mariners are playing like pretty good. And they're even eight and a half in the wild card out too. Yeah, even though the even though the Angels like probably in three weeks will will be on this list as well with Trout's injury. That's true. The Angels still can like hit really well, and mm-hmm. so like I just I I don't see any possible way the Rangers stay competitive this season, but they can enjoy their nice new stadium. Yeah, well, they're going to have to because they're probably going to be terrible for a while. Yeah, that team is. All right, so the Rangers and Nationals, I'll give you for sure. Boy, I have a hard time with the Twins still, even though I don't know why. They make me nervous, just like I know they can hit, and they, they just seem to be certainly. like an ageless like wonders, and I, I just don't get it. I mean, they're they're super far back, and like I, yeah, they, there's actually the, it's funny you say the Twins because. I just read uh, ESPN had a like biggest surprises a third of the way into the season, and it was talking about the Indians and like three of their writers were like the Indians and Twins are going to flip, they're going to flip where they are in the standings by like the end of the year. Whoa! Yeah, who said really some uh, predictions? Yeah, well, and what? Like three, like all three of the panelists were talking about how the Indians. Wow. Um, they just. Have, I mean, I don't disagree that like we have a bunch of holes. And our pitching hasn't been very good, but like in spite of that, we've still won games. And mm-hmm. I mean, we do have the best, like one of the best bullpens in baseball still. Yeah. Yeah. We have a super solid bullpen. Our one through five hitting is like good. And I mean, as we've gone through, we have several guys who are now starting to improve. If we can just, and thankfully June is, you know, knock on wood, a pretty easy month. If we can just tread water through this month and still like be within striking distance when we get Pleasic back and Franmo back. Like, 
I think this team can is is here to stick around. It would just be sticking. It would just be like making sure we're not, you know, seven, eight, nine games behind the White Sox and the uh, the wild card come like July. Right. Got to make that Adam Frazier deal, baby. <laughs> yes. I don't. All right. I will give you guys. I will give you guys the Rangers and Nationals. Would you mind holding off and putting the Twins on life support for another like week or two? Just, just to make uh, sure. I don't want. Let's, I don't let's wanna, take a look at their schedule quick. I don't want to speak too soon here. I get not wanting to jump the gun. Totally get that. I would love to write it off. I would love to write them off. Yeah, I'm cool not doing it just for jinxing us. Like, yeah, right. More, I'm more, cool with more just, so let's that. just like wait till September when they're literally 18 <laughs> games back and it's like September 5th and then be like, okay, let's call it. And we'll be like, oh, God, just one more week. All right. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I think by uh, June 13th, we will have a really good feel if the twins are dead or not. That's more than the week that you asked for, Steve. Okay. Um, because they have one more game against the Orioles. Okay. Then they have a four game series in KC. They come home for a three game series against the Yankees and a three game series against the Astros. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that'll I, be pretty telling. I think that'll be a very telling stretch. All right. Because so by statistically June statistically speaking, they are behind the Tigers in the standings. In the standings. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like they are a I, half oh, game worse than the it. Tigers. So statistically speaking, I mean, we're writing the Tigers off. Yeah, it's weird. I, I guess the, I, I guess I understand. The way, no, I know you guys. I guess the way I look at the, it is like you expected I, the Tigers to be here, so it's not a surprise. Exactly, you go, okay, right. you know. The Twins are the team where you go, they have the talent to pull off. Like, if any team is going to, like, maybe rip off, like, nine or ten in a row and, like, maybe maybe shock you and get back in the race, I would assume it would be them. But, like, if, but if they don't get through... But their pitching is so shitty that it's yeah. just, like, they're going to have to be scoring, like, eight to ten runs a game, and their pitching will have to be, like, pretty good. That's true. Exactly. To do and that. I don't see that happening. But, again, I want to be like, all right, after this stretch that you just described, let's see what happens. I will happily write them off as dead if that's the case. Okay, we'll hold off. So, hold all right. right okay, okay. All right, good. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams currently in the graveyard for 2021, and it is June 1st. And so, those are all the teams we got to start looking at the pitching staff for to maybe pluck a guy, pluck a guy right. off. Hey, that. man, we keep talking about the Tyler Anderson, Adam Frazier deal with the Pirates. Let's just we're gonna we're gonna speak it into reality. That. Yes, gonna keep doing that. Pick up the scraps, baby. Let's go, baby. Num, 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 num. All right, that does it for this episode. Be sure to follow us on social media at Calpino Pod, and we will catch you guys later. <laughs>